Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 14 of the Average Tour League podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and today we are looking at the game day plan. As uh, competitions and games are being rescheduled, I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to really do a deep dive into game day nutrition strategies. Uh, in due course, I will be looking at more of the endurance and ultra-endurance-based um, nutrition strategies and practices. Uh, but today, we are going to look at everything to do with maximizing performance for game day. So this is for any team-based uh, athlete, whether you're a rugby player, footballer, Gaelic footballer, hockey player, uh, you name it. So there's loads of stuff to cover today. It can be jam-packed full of value. So grab a pen and paper and we'll get into today's show. So when it comes to the game day plan, there's really four main pieces to the puzzle. And I split them into four quadrants. So what we're doing 30 hours before, uh, six hours before, what we do during, and then what we do after to maximize recovery. So on today's episode, I'm just going to cover the first three. So what we do the day before, what we do the morning of, and what we're going to do during the game. So just for um, today's purposes, I'm going to use a 3 p.m. example so whether you play 3 p.m. on a Saturday, Sunday, this is uh, what we're going to be tailoring uh, the recommendations for on this podcast. So in my opinion, getting your game day strategy right is probably going to be one of the most important things you can do in your sport and career. Um, ultimately, everything you train for, prepare for, work really hard for comes down to how well you perform on that Saturday or Sunday so there's no point being absolutely stellar throughout the training week, you know, rocking up to every training session being great, and then just can't perform on the weekend. So obviously, you want best of both. Uh, but today, we really want to make sure that we put a nice sort of plan of action in place for you, um, so you've got something to go away with and implement. So when, I guess, when we get sort of game day nutrition strategies wrong, um, you typically feel really sort of heavy, slow, you probably feel quite nauseous, quite sick. I probably feel quite flat, like there's nothing really in the muscles. You've got nothing really to give. Feeling pretty fatigued, uh, both sort of physically and mentally. So you just can't stay switched on and you can't concentrate. You fade super quick. So you've got a big drop off in performance, um, especially, say, towards the back end of games, you know, 60, 70, 80 or so minutes. And ultimately, you can't hit those higher gears. Um, so what I say is, if your nutrition is right, you should start the game both physically and mentally strong, and you should be able to maintain your work capacity. So again, sorry, both your physical and mental capacity right until the very end. Now, if you feel fit enough, but you are not able to do that, then it's 100% your nutrition. By all means, there are other, um, other factors that can go into this. Like if you aren't fit enough, then yes, obviously you're going to fade towards the end. But if you feel like you put in all the work and you're not quite getting the outcome that you want, the you know the performance gain that you want, then it is very much your nutrition. So when we get this right, you should be able to sustain work capacity throughout. You should feel energized and switched on. Um, so you know you can perform mentally at your best and you know be the best possible not only athlete but teammate as well. You shouldn't drop off and 
you should always have like this spring in your step. You know, you shouldn't really have super heavy and super dead legs. And the perfect way to start any game uh, is really to feel just light and tight. I, you know, you're you're fully fueled, uh, but at the same time, there's nothing sitting in your stomach. Where I see a lot of players um, probably do the exact opposite. They're feeling super heavy, but then flat at the same time. So we're going to talk today about how to achieve um, all these sort of preferable and beneficial um, starting points to make sure you are performing at your best when the first game of the season comes around. So when it comes to fueling for the game, which is ultimately one of the most important things, um, we can't start thinking about fueling three hours before kickoff. No, you're too late. If your mindset is a case of rock up on game day, have breakfast, and then have like a big carb meal before kickoff, that's not the right way to be doing it. This is very much just an afterthought. So we have to be very proactive with our fueling. And this starts the day before kickoff. So this is starting 30 hours before, and this is perhaps coined your carbohydrate load, which I'm sure everybody's uh, very familiar with. But the whole idea is, is the carbohydrate load the day before to ensure that your carbohydrate stores in the muscle and the liver, so that you're known as your glycogen stores, are fully topped up. So I'm not going to go into this in too detail because I did a whole podcast on this called For the Love of Carbs. So I'd highly recommend you go and uh, listen to that just to give this episode a little bit more context. But the whole idea is to make sure we start um, our game with the carbohydrate stores maximally topped up because we know that, for example, um, a rugby game, your glycogen stores will decrease by about 40% which granted doesn't sound much if you're playing 18 minutes of competitive rugby, where if you're playing 90 minutes of football, it can decline by about 50%. The reason that this becomes an issue is because once the muscle is depleted by about 50%, the uh, muscle can't essentially contract and produce the same amount of force as it could do when the carbohydrate stores are above that 50% cutoff. So the whole idea is to try and stay above this sort of cutoff point. And the whole idea then is the carbohydrate load the day before to ensure we are starting uh, with the tanks fully topped up. If you don't carbohydrate load and start with the tanks maybe 75% full, you know, you're pretty close to hitting that 50% cutoff line and that's when your performance is definitely going to go south. So obviously we don't need this. So the question is then is like, right, what's the carb load dependent on? So, you know, how much do I need to have? So the amount you need to have is very much depends on the training demands of the week. So it's kind of four years, one of them being training demands of the week, i.e., if you've been uh, on a really, really sort of chilled and down week of training, we can assume that, you know, your carbohydrate stores aren't going to be overly depleted, where if you've just had a week from hell and you just had a super tough week, um, we can assume that your carbohydrate stores aren't going to be a little bit depleted. Therefore, you probably need a higher um, carbohydrate load the day before, where if you've had that sort of chilled week, you know, you probably don't need to do a huge carbohydrate load. You just need some form of carbohydrates in your diet the day before. Uh, also, it's like, I've, have you got body composition goals? So number two is like, what's your carb and calorie intake like of the week? So if you've been in a calorie deficit Monday through to Friday, uh, we can assume that 
your starting carbohydrate status, so the glycogen within the muscle, is going to be quite low. So it would warrant a higher carbohydrate load and the complete opposite for the gainers. So if you're in a gaining phase and you know, you're on high calorie, high carbohydrates, we can assume that your glycogen stores are pretty much always topped up. So you don't need a huge amount of a carb load the day before. And also a big one, like number three, the number of minutes you're playing. You know, if you're playing 10 minutes, like realistically, do you need to have a huge carbohydrate load? Probably not. Uh, if you're doing a full 80, 90 minutes, depending on the sport, you probably do need a big carbohydrate load. Now, the caveat here is, if you say, think you're going to play 10 minutes and you plan for 10 minutes, uh, i.e. carbohydrate load that if you're playing for 10 minutes and someone gets injured and they come off in the first five and you end up playing 70, 80 or so minutes um, as if you plan for a 10 minute game, you are 100% fucked. So your tanks will empty very, very quickly. So what I say here is always plan for the full 80. Um, and if you only get 10 minutes, then you'll just have to contract and compensate your calories accordingly in the day after. And then finally, um, your carb load is dependent on your body weight. So you know that carbohydrate intake is relative uh, to body weight, i.e. grams per kilogram. So the bigger you are, the more muscle you have, the more you weigh, the greater capacity to store carbohydrates in the muscle. So realistically, for rugby, um, recommendations out there, um, sort of latish uh, recommendations, are to have between three to six grams per kilogram that you weigh just for easy maths and say you're 100 kilos that's between 300 and 600 grams um, the day before but like i said we always want to perhaps aim for the upper end so i'd always advocate six grams per kilogram um so again 600 grams for 100 kilo rugby player and i probably uh look at advocating very similar for football players perhaps a little bit higher between six and eight grams per kilo but generally speaking six usually works very 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 nicely here so i think definitely within sports and definitely rugby um carbohydrate load is you know is a very common thing people will practice this and they will have more carbohydrates today before the issue is is like one they probably don't have enough but given that recommendations are six gram per kilo they should be now having adequate and they kind of see this day as a should we say a calorie load day instead of a carb load day so the whole idea is, yes, to ramp up your carbohydrates. We want to keep protein relatively similar, but we actually want to follow quite a low-fat approach because if you go high carbs, high fat, high protein, um, you can have a ton of calories. And over time, uh, this could accumulate body fat gain and as a result, um, make you slower, less agile, all that kind of bad stuff with regarding athletic performance. So... Uh, when people start carb carbohydrate loading like before, um, you know, they'd have things like lasagna, loads of cheese on it, pizza, fajitas with loads of cheese, guacamole, all that kind of stuff in there. When realistically, we don't. We actually want to keep relatively quite a lean day um, of a very carbohydrate-centric approach and then just try and keep dietary fat to a minimal um, and therefore protein will just stay constant and the overall calorie intake still remains roughly in check. So many of you will be by now very aware of the carbohydrate load. And you know, many of you will have practiced this in some way, shape, or form. So what I'm going to introduce you now is something called the nitrate load. 
So you've probably seen people do this. You might even done this uh, without even realizing, but just having foods high in nitrates, which are beetroot or leafy green vegetables. So our preferred weapon of choice is beetroot and beetroot-based products. So we know that once we ingest or consume nitrates, it gets converted into nitrites within the body and then nitric oxide. Now, nitric oxide is a vasodilator, which means that your blood vessels um, become dilated, i.e. bigger, and therefore more blood and more oxygen is supplied to the muscle. So it essentially um, improves the muscle's oxygen economy and the overall muscle contractibility. So this then really favors um, and benefits scenarios that heavily rely on type two muscle fibers. So these are like your anaerobic conditions, hypoxic conditions, uh, which mean without oxygen. So if you think of doing a game and you're doing a lot of uh, repeated efforts, uh, repeated high intensity efforts, uh, and you're doing like sort of a lot of uh, sprinting and you just need to be recovering very, very fast. Um, oxygen delivery plays a massive role with this in terms of your short turnaround with regards to recovery. So the whole idea of this is to have these kind of products to improve oxygen delivery to, uh, the, uh, oxygen delivery to the muscle and therefore to become somewhat fatigue resistance. So when we look at this, um, I always like doing a 30-hour nitrate load. By all means, uh, there is some utility in doing it for a whole week. Uh, I have been more of a chronic nitrate load, but um, I don't really see too much benefit for team sports athletes who are um, sort of competing week in, week out. If you're doing like an Ironman or something, uh, or like a big one-off event, you could potentially loads going into it. That's sweet. That's no issues there. But the reason why I don't like to do it uh, for teams, for athletes, is because you're pretty much in a constant state of nitrate loading throughout the season. And it can get a little bit boring, or should I say very boring. And if you don't like beetroot-based products, it can get pretty horrendous for you. <laughs> if you're just tanking in loads of beetroot all the time, uh, it's not going to be very good. It's going to just... Um, it's going to compromise the overall sustainability of your diet. So reasons why I don't do it um, throughout the season is purely because most likely you just won't do it. So if I just say, why we're just going to do it the day before, a 30-hour nitrate load, um, you know, we're still going to get very good benefits from that. Uh, and, you know, you're going to be far more bought into it and it almost like puts you into this game day mode. Uh, and, you know, it really just improves your mindset. So in one study, when they've done a 30-hour nitrate load, uh, when they looked at doing it with athletes completing the yo-yo intermittent recovery test level one, which many of you may have done, um, when they uh, supplemented with nitrates, uh, so beat it products uh, the day before, uh, they got about 4.2% improvement um, on average. So, you know, a nice sort of 4% uh, improvement there, which is great. So what we do the day before so you'd have one serving in the morning, one serving in the evening. So one serving is around six to eight millimoles of nitrates, which granted doesn't mean too much, but this can be very much achieved via one beat it shot, 500 ml of beetroot juice, or about three to four beets. So you'd essentially have that in the morning and another sort of serving in the evening. It doesn't really matter um, how you get it in as long as you get it in. That one specific study, they um, just use beat it shots. But, you know, um, variety is the spice of life. Just try and get it in as best as you can. What I'd suggest is, you know, have your breakfast, 
have some beetroot juice, um, perhaps 250, 500 ml. Um, if you have 250, then put over two sort of uh, mini servings in the morning. And then in the evening, uh, I essentially just chop up a few beets and stick them in like a bolognese. That seems to work quite nicely uh, also. So when we look at the day before, they're the two main priorities. Definitely carbohydrate load. That is the most important thing. Uh, once you've got that done, you know, the ice on top of the cake will very much be uh, the nitrate load just to really complement that. Okay, so then game day. Game day rolls around. By this time, your glycogen stores within the muscle should be pretty much topped up. So knowing this, um, if we have like a pre-game nutrition checklist, I'd always make sure that our nutrition strategies for that day will help us manage our blood glucose, so our blood sugar levels. We also need to stay hydrated, which is kind of a given, because the two highest priorities for optimizing performance is to ensure you've got adequate carbohydrates and fluid on board. Granted, there's a whole host of things that can come into this, um, but they'd be the first two things I would look to address first. So yes, uh, we need to manage blood sugars and stay hydrated. We need to keep your fiber intake low. We need to keep your fat intake low. Uh, we want to keep your protein intake low. Reason being is that these foods um, basically decrease gastric emptying or the rate of gastric emptying. So this is essentially the digestion of your food. So if you think um, of like a completely ridiculous example, but imagine you have like a Christmas dinner three hours before you play a game of rugby or football or hockey, um, that food's still going to be sitting in your stomach. You're going to be really heavy, really bloated, and it's not what we want. Now, protein, fat, and fiber aren't going to contribute to game day performance in the slightest. Um, granted, they're very important uh, for overall diet quality and to minimize nutrient deficiencies and all that kind of stuff. But the morning before game, we do not want these foods. So keep fiber low, keep fat low, keep protein low. They offer no benefit to performance, but they will make you feel heavy, bloated, sluggish because you're going to have loads of food in your gut. And remember, the whole idea is to enter the uh, first minute of kickoff, after kickoff, uh, feeling light and tight. So nothing sitting in your gut. So it is very much a carbohydrate-centric approach. We also need to make sure that we eat well-tolerated foods. So, you know, I would say keep game day nutrition really simple, really kind of quite bland. There's no time to get fancy with eating, uh, with trying new recipes, all that kind of stuff. Um, just keep things really sort of boring, to be honest, um, that you know is going to sit well in your stomach. Because if you're going to add another KPI in there for game day, it is, yes, we need to make sure blood sugar is uh, managed. We need to stay hydrated. And we also need to minimize uh, gut issues because I'm pretty sure many of you would have been in this situation before where you're playing a game and your guts are in absolute bits. And that's the only thing you can focus on. Uh, and quite frankly, just hoping you don't shit yourself uh, throughout a game. So we definitely don't want that. So you need to eat well-tolerated foods. It needs to be predictable. And you've got to have full confidence going into the game. We don't want an upset stomach in the slightest. And this ties in quite nicely with don't trial new strategies in in a, in a game. Like, just don't, just because we don't know how your body's going to respond. On paper, in the research, a certain strategy or foods can suggest it as X, Y, Z. Um, but that's for them. How does it work for you? 
um, especially in terms of the tolerability and how you feel with it. And I know it's cliche and that everybody is different, but you know, it really is the case. Uh, you don't want to try new stuff just in case you have a hidden surprise. Uh, again, everything should be sort of locked in. It should be predictable. You should know how you're feeling because ultimately I want game day strategies to be so locked in and you know just automated that you could just focus on the game itself, the strategy, all this kind of stuff. I don't want you to be worrying about all the intricacies of nutrition. So yes, it may take a little bit while building all this uh, plan of action up, but once it's there, it may take you know a few games to sort of uh, fine-tune it. But that's you then sorted for the rest of your career. Uh, and you know, if you adhere to these principles, um, you know, it's going to be extremely, extremely well. So the last one in terms of the checklist is really avoiding like um anti-inflammatories and aspirin and stuff like that, especially in higher dosages, because that can um really give you bad gut upset. And you know, if you combine it with all the other stuff we talked about, it can really sort of exacerbate issues for you. And I appreciate that some perhaps rugby players or any kind of athlete really will probably use these in some way, shape or form just to sort of get through the game. But we really want to get to the state where we're not overly relying on these just because, you know, it's going to absolutely play havoc with your guts, essentially. Okay, so you're probably thinking, yes, all that stuff sounds fantastic, super well done. Uh, but what's it actually look like in food and how do I actually approach this in terms of my game day eating? So what do I actually eat before game, before kickoff? So again, we'll use the 3 p.m. Uh, kickoff example. And if you've been following me for a little while or work with me, you know that I always play the law of halves. So the law of halves is very simple in terms of its principle. So we want to start with our biggest meal, six hours out. Then as we half the time, we half the portion size. So six hours out, we start with a big meal. Then three hours out, so half the time, we half the portion. And then 1.5 hours out, we have the portion again. So again, the whole idea is to start kickoff feeling light and tight, you're energized, but there's nothing sitting in your stomach. Now this works incredibly well, assuming you've done an adequate carbohydrate load. So you have to have both of them together for it to work really well. Otherwise, you might feel a little bit empty going into it. So the whole idea behind this is to ensure that we give our body enough time to digest and absorb the food. So you probably see a lot of rugby players, especially would be guilty of this, is doing the complete reversal, wake up, just kind of not really prioritize breakfast, and then kind of save themselves for that pre-game um, meal three hours before where you know, we really don't want to be doing that because if you're tanking in loads of food three hours before, you're not going to feel light and tight. You're going to feel heavy and flat and bloated and sluggish and all that kind of bad stuff. So a typical sort of example would be, you know, wake up, breakfast, very much carbohydrate-centric, um, porridge with honey, some fruit, um, perhaps like uh, some scrambled eggs on toast. Yes, we've got some protein in there just to make the meal a little bit more palatable, but again, it is, we're not putting protein in there to drive adaptation or recovery, even though that will happen. Uh, that's not the priority. It's just there to make the meal a little bit more palatable. So it's a decent-sized breakfast, but everything should be well familiar with you and tolerated. Then, you know, that's six hours out, then we go to three hours out. And this is the case where we really got to make sure we've got no fat 
or limited fat, limited fiber, um, and we're really sort of ensuring we're not having any red meat. Because again, red meat is gonna be very hard to break down and digest. Um, you know, try and have a 200 gram steak and then try and run around, you're probably not gonna feel great. So this is really bland and boring, but I really like uh, pasta with some Domio sauce uh, with like a small chicken breast in there. Again, chicken's been added in there just to make the meal perhaps a little bit more palatable. It's not been added in there to drive adaptation. It, you know, you can literally just have a box of pasta if you want. It tastes pretty bland and boring, but it'll work very well. Um, or you could do something like um, some form of lean meat with rice. It could be chicken wraps, something like that. Um, just a nice, easy digesting protein uh, with some carbohydrates and perhaps a little bit of sauce to make it less dry. But fat, fiber, and definitely no red meats in there, okay? And then 1.5 hours out, this is very much your optional top-up. Um, this is just 100% carbohydrates, don't need anything else in there. So it, again, if you've been following me for a while, work with me, um, you know that I love Rice Krispies Grays, and if you have worked with me, you will find a Rice Krispies Gray in your plan in some way, shape, or form, because they are, quite frankly, the best thing ever. So they are essentially just um, a source of carbohydrates, um you know the food volume is really, really small and you're just going to get a really bang good bang for your buck in terms of the carbohydrate hit you get and they taste nice nice like i said and they're going to sit in your stomach really well so that's the whole idea behind the law of halves you start big and then you just tape it in um you do not want to be sort of cramming in um foods you know 1.5 to 3 hours beforehand just think about topping up the day before we load up Game day, we top up. And things like, um, say, in addition, example, to Rice Krispies Grays, it could be like a banana. It could be some sweets like Haribo or something like that. You know, just something you just sugary that you can essentially graze on. And, you know, that's perhaps one of the arguments is, you know, is optimal or is healthy. Um, and quite frankly, no, because, you know, if you had a sweet potato in, in there 1.5 hours out, clearly healthy, um, not going to be great for overall performance. So, you know, um, sometimes, you no know, healthy isn't always optimal. So, like I said, one of the other key parts to optimizing performance is not just the carbohydrates, it is the hydration side of things. So, you know, how much fluid do we need before kickoff? So, again, very similar on game day, I mean, you should be thinking about uh, topping up throughout the morning. We don't want to go without any fluid and then just try and cram loads in before kickoff just because you're going to have loads of water in your gut, sloshing around, you're going to feel heavy, and most likely not going to retain it all, and you need to go to the toilet quite frequently. So just think about topping up throughout the morning. I typically suggest anywhere between three to 500 milliliters per kilogram per hour. So, you know, 100 kilo guy, we need about 300 to 500 mil every waking hour uh, leading into kickoff. And then perhaps I would taper fluid intake and perhaps sip the thirst a little bit, a little bit more uh, about 90 minutes prior. Obviously, you're going to have uh, warm-ups and stuff like that, which is naturally going to uh, drive thirst. So I just kind of get relatively regimented, you know, between 300 and 500 mil per hour um, until maybe you know, sort of like one o'clock in the afternoon and then start uh, tapering your fluid intake um, going into kickoff and really just think about drinking a thirst rather than being so, so uh, regimented. And, you know, a lot of athletes will struggle with that. So what I say throughout the training week, especially the day before, 
just get into a good habit of drinking regularly um, throughout the day. You know, make it into a habit. Get good at and practice drinking fluid. Because um, if you're just very poor or hydrated throughout the day, you're going to struggle on game day and probably forget. And therefore, just think like, oh, shit, I need to drink some fluid and just tank fluids in. Um, again, it's not going to be the best way to do it. So just to sort of conclude on that side of things, about 300 to 500 mil of fluid per hour until, you know, maybe uh, 90 minutes to two hours before kickoff and then just drink the thirst. You'll probably find that your fluid intake is probably the same in the last all couple of hours anyway if you drink the thirst. Uh, but I just like being the first maybe uh, sort of five or so hours of your day being a little bit more locked in and a little bit more regimented. Then when it comes to the supplement side of things, um, you know, the area that everybody, you know, gets very excited about and uh, probably over relies upon. So there's two to three main ones I really look at. Um, so we mentioned the nitrate load. So beat it shots. Uh, and yes, I definitely would recommend having one about 2.5 to three hours beforehand. So even if you don't do the nitrate load the day before, I'd still recommend you get at least one beta shot before kickoff because uh, that is going to, again, improve performance. So when we look at the conversion time of, you know, nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide, it's about 2.5 to 3 hours. So the timing is quite important here, or very important, shall I say. When I've asked players before, you know, like, oh, did you take the beta shot? And they're like, yeah, Chris, yeah, bro, I did that. It's like, okay, how did it feel? It's like, yeah, I didn't really see a difference in it. I was like, okay, when do you take it? Oh, about five minutes before kickoff time. I was like, well, that's actually having a benefit on the way home in the car or on the team bus. Like, that's done fuck all. So perhaps a placebo, if anything. So make sure the timing is right, about 2.5 to 3 hours beforehand. Um, the next one I look at then is caffeine. So I know a lot of players will probably abuse caffeine a little bit too much and go into the um, supplement checklist podcast for more detail in terms of why caffeine is going to be beneficial. But in short, three to six milligrams of caffeine per kilogram body weight is going to be ideal. So 100 kilo player, 300 uh, to 600 milligrams of caffeine uh, at the very, very most. What you find is that many uh, will have a nice benefit of uh, about 300 milligrams. So just to sort of wind back a little bit on our recommendation, so these recommendations are probably more tailored to endurance athletes who weigh 70 kilos. So if you're 100 kilo and you're trying to go top end six uh, milligrams per kilo, probably don't need that much. Um, so you could probably, like I said, just get away about three milligrams per kilo. But like with anything, don't trial caffeine dosages in games. Do them in your training first to see how you respond. Because obviously if you take no caffeine, you don't get a response take the right amount of caffeine, you get a really nice response in terms of mental focus, clarity, um, decrease of perceived exertion, increased pain tolerance, all that kind of stuff. So it's great. Uh, but if you have too much, if you're nauseous, irritable, anxious, and stuff like that. So many people see a benefit from one milligram per kilo. So about 100 milligrams for a 100 kilo player. So start between about one to three milligrams per kilogram uh, of body weight. See how you get on. And then slowly add more in on a weekly basis if you feel like you need to. But most people should get a benefit between that one to three milligram per kilogram range. And like I said, upwards towards six milligrams per kilo. But those recommendations are more for endurance athletes. And I probably wouldn't recommend 
I definitely haven't recommended um, any sort of rugby player get upwards of, you know, five, 600 milligrams. I don't think there's a need for it. Uh, and it could be very ergolytic in nature, which again is a sort of a, the decrease and drop off in performance. And then the last one I look at is creatine. So around 10 grams of creatine, 90 minutes before kickoff, um, when you are sleep deprived. So we know that again, um, when you are sleep deprived, the creatine stores, so that creatine pool within the brain can decrease. So the idea is to supplement creatine, a little bit higher dose to restore some of that creatine uh, stores there. So we know that creatine um, can alleviate cognitive deficits um, when you are sleep deprived. So this can essentially mean that uh, your passing accuracy, speed and skill level um, can be rescued following a poor night's sleep. So if you can't switch off for sleep because... Uh, you're worried about the game the next day or you've got a young family keeping you up and you're very much sleep deprived the next morning, 10 grams of creatine 90 minutes before could be something very beneficial here. But again, what we've got to consider is how everything just interacts with your gut and how you feel because if you're tanking in caffeine, beta shots and a bit more creatine than you're probably used to, how does that all sit with you? How do you feel? So again, just because it's um, it works on paper in the research, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. So there is going to be some trial and error here. Then when it comes to the game itself, um, again, we really need to be focused on two things, fluid and carbohydrates. Everything else is pretty much irrelevant if these two things aren't addressed. Now, given the um, sort of scenario of game day sports, uh, we can't predict when there's going to be stoppages in play, so we can't uh, dictate, you know, hydration and carbohydrate guidelines specifically. But on a whole, we're looking to treat this as somewhat of an endurance event. So you would be looking at having between 30 grams and 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour that you are playing. So what I would suggest throughout gameplay itself is try and get uh, an isotonic sports drink in every stoppage of play. So an isotonic sports drink is a mixture of obviously fluid, electrolytes and carbohydrates. So about 30 grams of carbs per 500 mil. So that's what we look to do um, throughout the game itself. If you really can't stomach um, anything like sugary, anything like that, just try and get some water in. Um, but ideally try and get, uh, you know, that Powerade, the Lucasade, Gatorade, that kind of stuff in. Because uh, that is going to be really beneficial in being able to obviously hydrate, but try and manage your blood sugars as well. Like you could potentially get, um, especially in the second half, uh, get like sort of energy gels uh, by the side of the pitch. I know um, some great work done in English football, English women's football, where they've done um, sort of like carbohydrate gels surrounding the pitch in the second half. And on the 60th minute, uh, they were essentially just or around 60th minute, whenever there's a stop and play, just run to the side, get a gel, and then back on. Um, but the whole idea is just try and maintain uh, blood sugars as best as we can and really make sure our glycogen stores within the muscle don't decline too much. So uh, long story short, just try and get um, some form of isotonic sports drinking throughout the game. And if you can, perhaps get a gel in the second half, if it's applicable. Um, but in half time. Um, this is where we really have like a predictable chance to get, um, you know, 
fluid and carbohydrates on board. So again, I would automatically, I'd always say, uh, as soon as you get in, get an energy gel in. That's 25 grams of carbohydrates or so. That's very convenient and you can get it down to you and it perhaps uh, without any sort of gut issues. And, you know, while you're sitting down and getting your breath, it isn't overly uh, difficult to do so. And then what I say is just have a power rig next to you or a Luxate, you know, that isotonic sports drink and just sip on it. Uh, don't tr- ideally try and get maybe, you know, three to 500 mil down you, but don't force it down. If it doesn't go and you're going to feel sick, don't force it, okay, because you're going to end up in a worse position. So as soon as you come in, grab your energy gel, whack that down you, and then if you've got 10 minutes or so, just sip away on a uh, isotonic sports drink. And then if you really are um, a bit tired and mentally switching off a bit, a caffeine gum can work very well in this instance. So if you have caffeine by a tablet or powder, it takes about 60 minutes for it to be effective. But if we have it in the form of a gum, so I'd highly recommend you go out, uh, go and check out Healthspan Elite for their caffeine gum. It's like Kickstart Caffeine Gum, I believe it's called. Um, And that could be effective in about 10 minutes time. So by the time you get on in the second half, uh, you should have a nice sort of uh, mental boost and a bit more clarity there. So they're the kind of the th- um, three kind of areas I look to split uh, or shall we say divide the nutrition into first half, second half and half time. And there's very much an overriding um, message here is very much fluid and carbohydrates are absolute boss. We need to get them in. But if you're struggling a little bit, then a caffeine gum at half time could work very well also. So again, the whole idea of this whole carbohydrates and fluid uh, intake and the emphasis we put on this is really to be able to maintain both uh, physical and mental performance. So if you remember right back at the start, I said that a game of football would deplete glycogen stores by about 50%, and 50% is kind of that cutoff point where the muscle doesn't uh, contract and produce the same amount of force as usual. So What's been shown in football, uh, when they've sort of consumed like a 6% solution, so again, that's your isotonic sports drink, uh, at the rate of about 30, 60 grams uh, per hour, you know, it caused a 22% reduction in glycogen stores, which means that they reduced the decline in uh, glycogen usage and it moved them further away from that sort of nasty cutoff point where we don't really want to get to so what that was shown to uh, increase time to exhaustion improved force production capabilities improve their dribbling capabilities and improve the speed of shots taken so again this is going to improve both the again the physical and the mental side of performance um now, they can say very much the case of skill set is dependent on glucose availability for optimal brain function. So we know that towards the back end of a game, your blood sugars will uh, start to drop off and therefore you have less blood sugars or blood glucose available to supply the brain, which is a primary fuel source. So the whole idea is to have a nice constant supply of glucose and carbohydrates throughout the game to ensure, again, you are both physically and mentally at your best so picture this you in like the last of um 25 percent of the game all your uh competition your opponents are switching off they're fading uh they're making more sort of uh passing errors handling errors all that kind of stuff and then if you're the switched on and really strong right until the end it's a huge way to take advantage of your opposition 
And this is where sports nutrition, performance nutrition really comes in. And annoyingly enough, like people aren't just uh, overly aware of how important it is in terms of having the ability to just make you a better athlete and essentially make you progress uh, better in your career. You know, if you're always at your best, not just like 50% of the time, um, you're essentially going to be better at your sport and therefore progress accordingly. As I mentioned right at the beginning, there's very much four quadrants to game day nutrition. Um, Today, we covered the first three. In due course, I will cover um, recovery and our ultra-fast recovery strategies. But for today, um, I hope that's enough for you to digest and take away into the restart of the season. Um, This approach uh, works extremely well. The principles work extremely well. you know, I just think about that Anchorman quote, you know, it works 40% of the time, all the time, or 60%. So if I butchered that for all Anchorman enthusiasts out there, but this approach, the principles works 100% time, 100% all the time. It is fucking outstanding. So go away, play around with the principles and see how they work for you. Uh, once you sort of apply those principles through a little bit of trial and error and fine tune your approach, you know, you are sorted for the rest of your career um no it's absolutely class if you need my help with this just reach out and just let me know i'm more than happy to walk you through this and put a plan in place for you just to make sure you know you cross all the t's and dot all of the i's so uh ladies and gentlemen that is um the game day plan so if you found this useful beneficial and you took any value from it uh please let me know please share it on your socials because again um it really helps me massively in terms of Uh, getting this podcast out there and reaching more people and um yeah thank you for tuning in today i hope i hope you enjoyed it um until next time um goodbye